We are finishing uh, our series on the book of James today, and I've loved uh, this series. It's been so good for me, but I've heard some good feedback from people just saying, man, there's, we walked through it in such a way that it helped me think about some things differently. And that's my hope, is that we could process scripture a little differently than we have before and have a better understanding and a deeper understanding of, of what it is and what, it, what God is trying to say to us through it. But the major themes in the book of James, remember James was the brother of Jesus writing this letter to Christians all around the world who had been scattered. Um, and he's writing this letter of unity, trying to bring them together because there was a lot of things that divide. And so he's trying to bring them together in love but the major predominant theme in the book of James is that our faith should lead to action in our lives. If our faith simply uh, is just something we believe and a tenant we hold on to, and it doesn't lead, it doesn't have fruit of action in our lives, then we have to ask ourselves, is what we have true faith? And, and I think the answer is no. So James lays this out, he talks about unity, he talks about how the church should look different and act different and think differently than the world does, that we should not be in step with everything the world does and just take that as gospel. We should be leading the way instead of following what the world says and does. And last week, we talked about patience, and um, um, that was a tough one for me. I don't know about you, I don't like, I don't like to be... Uh, told I need to wait on things. I like things happening now and quicker and faster, and I know I'm probably the only one. But last week we talked about patience and we made this statement together. We said, I will patiently wait on God's timing and for the fulfillment of God's promises. And that was something I thought about several times last week when things didn't quite go my way. Okay, God, I'm gonna be patient. I choose to be patient on your timing and for the fulfillment of your promises. And so today we're gonna pick it up in James chapter five and we're gonna start in verse 13 and we're gonna, we're gonna finish the chapter today and we'll finish the book today. And we're gonna start in verse 13. This is what it says. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And I love this because James is making the statement and he's saying, uh, there is a biblical response to anything we go through in our lives. Whatever you go through, there is a spiritual biblical response to that. So no matter what your issue or what your problem is, and maybe it's not even a problem, maybe it's something good going on in your life, guess what? There's a spiritual biblical response to good things happening in our life as well. He says, hey, if you're having a good day, things are going well, it's not just luck. It's not, just, it's not just happenstance. It's not just, uh, the, the, you know, the sun is shining on you. It's not that. It, God is favoring you. God is blessing you. And so you need to celebrate. You need to sing a song of praise to God. And some of you are like, I don't sing so hot, man. Well, that's okay. Sing privately where God, only God can hear you. It'll be okay, I promise. But what, what do we do? We respond to what God is doing in our lives. And even when things are bad, there's a spiritual response because um, when things are not going well, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Many times when we suffer, we don't suffer biblically well. We want to gripe and complain and go to social media and go to the people we know will just, um, will just pet us and make us feel better. That's okay, you, you don't deserve that. I can't believe that. And we, we tend to go to all the wrong things. And what James is saying is there's a biblical response and the response is pray. And we all know that we should be praying when we are suffering, but many times uh, that's the last thing we do. That's the last response when things are going bad. Is we finally get to the moment where we go, I guess I need to pray. Well, yeah, let's pray immediately when we see something happening in our life. That is the spiritual response. 
But he goes on to say, is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, when it talks about elders, the word elder and pastor is synonymous. It's used interchangeably. Um, and so when we look at this, it's, there's a response that says, hey, if, if you're sick, maybe you've prayed for yourself and said, God, I need to feel better. I need some help. But we're gonna see in just a moment, sometimes it's not enough for us just to pray. Sometimes we need to solicit a, a group of believers around us to believe with us. And so James says, call on the elders or call on the pastors, call on the spiritual authority in your life, the people you trust, and let them pray with you. But many times we don't wanna do that because we wanna seem invincible and strong. And how we doing, brother? I'm good, brother. How are you, brother? I'm good. My life is great. My life is fantastic. Have you seen my Twitter feed lately? I mean, my life is perfect. It couldn't be any more perfect. My wife is perfect. My kids are perfect. My house is perfect. My job is perfect. Everything is perfect. And we don't wanna let that facade down we don't want anybody to know that maybe we're crumbling a little bit. Maybe we're, we're, we're physically not doing well. Maybe spiritually we're suffering. Maybe our marriage isn't great. We don't wanna share that. We wanna look like we have it all together. What James says is you need to let people know when you're struggling so they can pray with you about that, so they can agree with you about that. There's something powerful about confessing our need for prayer and then seeing God work through the prayer of others in our lives. In fact, the very next verse in verse 15 says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. There's this portion of scripture right in the middle and it says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And automatically people are like pulling away a little bit. They're like, I'm not confessing my sins to nobody, right? Like this goes back to, I'm not letting anybody know that I got problems or issues. So if you're gonna tell me I gotta go confess all my sins, I don't think I'm gonna do that. And we've got enough people in our church that have come from a Catholic background that you're like, I don't know. And I'm a little uncomfortable with that. I thought we didn't do that here. And I thought we confessed our sins to the Lord. And this is what, this is what we need to understand. Number one, it says, um, if he has committed sin. So what we need to understand is there are times that uh, spiritual breakthrough is hindered because of something in our lives that, that is um, sinful, if I can just say it so bluntly. Sometimes there are things in our life that prevent spiritual breakthrough. But James is making it very clear that is not always the case. Sometimes, sometimes there's other things at work. So it's not a matter of um, you're, you're feeling bad, you got a sore throat, well, maybe, maybe you've been sinning. Well, I, 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 I don't think so. No, you've been sinning, you need to pray. You need to confess your sin. What have you been sinning? Well, I, I mean, um, I, I took an extra ibuprofen this morning and I probably shouldn't have, I don't know. And you're like, that's right, so pray. You know, like, we don't live under that legalism, right? So sometimes there's not a cause and effect, but we want there to be. So James makes it very clear. He said, sometimes that's not the case, but sometimes there is. And remember the context of this letter was he was trying to bring unity to the body. And so one of the major things that he was talking about to the church was our tongue and how our tongue could bring division to the body. And so I think it's really appropriate when he comes back and says, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Because I think he's talking about a specific sin of of grumbling, we talked about this a little last week, of the, the gossip, of the back talk. And, and I really believe what he's saying here is, hey, if you've got a, 
ought against your brother or sister, if they've done something, you go to them, you confess and say, man, I gotta be honest with you. Um, this is how I felt about you. And, and you know what, this is why. And I wanna work through this. So when we confess our sin to one another, we're able to pray together and bring healing and restoration. I don't know about you, um, one of the most powerful things I can do for myself whenever I feel um, offended or upset is to pray for the person who has, uh, who has done something to me. And it's not for their benefit as much as it is for mine. Because have you ever tried to pray for somebody who's wronged you? <laughs> no, you haven't, you're, you're like me. I, I, I hate to do that, right? Somebody who's wronged you and you pray a prayer and you think, oh yeah, I've prayed that prayer before. God, they've wronged me. Let them be hit by a bus, right? And that's not what I'm talking about when you pray for your, the person who's wronged you. But when you begin to pray blessing on them, God, I pray that you work in their life, God. I pray that you minister in their family, God. I pray that you bring healing and restoration, God. I pray that you bless. There's something happens in us that God begins to soften our heart and change our heart and change our attitude toward the one who has offended us or the one who has hurt us, or the one who maybe has betrayed us. And so what God is trying to do, and I think what James is trying to say here is we bring unity through confessing our sins to another. When we confess and say, listen, I was an idiot about this. I was wrong and this is what I said or this is what I thought or this is how I felt. When we confess that and pray for one another, we're healed, relationships are healed. But beyond that, there's healing that comes in us when we confess our sins. There's spiritual healing that happens in us. Now, at the beginning of this passage, it says, the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. Now, I don't know about you, when I was younger, I used to think that the prayer of faith was dependent on my faith. So if I had a problem or an issue, that I just needed to believe more. Has anybody ever heard something like that? Maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. Maybe, uh, maybe you got laid off. Maybe you're having a hard time in your marriage and somebody said, oh, you know what, just keep believing. Just keep believing. Believe more, have more faith, just trust God. And all those things are nice, but after a while you just wanna punch somebody, don't you? I don't, I'm believing as much as I can. I don't know how I can believe anymore, right? We get to a place sometimes when we maybe are depressed or feeling low and, and we don't know that we can believe any more than we're already believing. And that's where it's really important for us to trust other people around us, to pray with us. See, the prayer of faith that it's talking about isn't our faith, it's the faith of the people around us. So when we have a team of people around us that we can trust, that we can share our lives with, they begin to believe for us and have faith for us in ways that we can't for ourselves. So their faith stands in the gap for us. When we have very little faith, when we are spiritually and emotionally expended, when we have nothing left to give, that's where the people around us, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, they come beside us and they begin to believe for us and their faith, makes up the difference for us. See, um, when we're in a bad place, a place of loss, a place of struggling, uh, it's so hard to believe for God to do big things. Uh, we're just trying to survive at that moment. We're just trying to tread water, make it through the next moment. So what we have to have is someone who can believe with us and maybe more importantly, believe for us. So my question to you is, who do you have in your life that will believe with you and believe for you? The people that you can trust with your moments of weakness and sadness and depression and loss and whatever it might be that you can just be totally honest with and say, gosh, I can't believe for myself. I need you to believe with me for this situation. 
Because if you don't have those people, you need to. You, you will not be able to survive your life if you don't have it. You're not gonna be able to make it through the other side very easily if you don't have people like that who will believe with you and believe for you. Verse 17 says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. The word it's used here, it says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently. And I love that word, fervent. We don't use words like this as much in common language, do we? Um, we say things like, he prayed hard. He prayed passionately. Listen to those kids screaming. They're having fun at kids' church. Right now you're thinking, I wish I was having as much fun as they're having, right? They are fervently screaming up in the kids' room. But I love this because um, it says that Elijah, he was a man with a nature like ours. So it's basically saying, uh, you, we think Elijah and we think that the prophets were superheroes that they were superhuman, that they didn't act like us or think like us, but they were, they had a nature like ours. And what James is saying, we look at Elijah as this powerful man of God who did incredible things, but he was just like us. One of the biggest difference was he prayed fervently. And this word fervent, it means intense or passionate. Um, it means ardent or enthusiastic. And I love that, that he didn't just pray a prayer, God, God if you wanna help me, I guess you should. But he said, God, I need you to show up. I need you to stop the rain from happening. And he prayed fervently and God responded to his prayer. Now in the previous verse we read in Matthew, I mean in James 5, 16, um, I don't go to the King James version very often, but I, I wanna go to the King James version. I'm gonna make some people happy in the room. Uh, the King James version of James 5, 16, the, the second portion says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And maybe, maybe you're more familiar with it in the King James, but it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so what we have to do as believers is surround ourselves with people who know how to pray effectual fervent prayers with righteous people who will believe for us when we can't believe for ourselves, believe for us when we're struggling, believe for us when we're in a drought season of our life and we're asking God, when's the rain gonna come? We need people who will pray for us in ways that we are gonna see breakthrough in our lives. Verse 19 says this, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, when you first look at this, it seems like this passage is out of place, doesn't it? Because we're talking about prayer and then all of a sudden, James takes this hard turn and he goes, oh, and by the way, if people have wandered away from the faith, um, if you can bring them back, you're gonna be blessed, basically. Why, why would he do that? Well, he's wrapping up this letter to the, these Christians scattered throughout the world. He's trying to bring unity to the body. And I think he's doing this as an exclamation point on this letter. I think he's doing this to remind the church what's really important. Because he comes back and he says, in spite of the, the disunity, in spite of the things that separate uh, people in the church and drive us apart, in spite of your issues, in spite of your problems, the most important thing we do, the one thing that should unify us together and bring us together is our understanding that lost people matter to God. That at the end of the day, the most important thing we do is, is see people saved and see them grow in their faith. And that's it. 
And if we don't agree on that, then, then we've got bigger issues. That should be the thing that unites us, not just within a church, but across denominational boundaries. Every church in our community can rally around that idea that lost people matter to God and that it is our job and our responsibility to, to go and to seek and save that which is lost, to see them grow in their faith. That, that cuts through everything else because that is why we exist. I don't think it was an accident that he ended on that note to remind us of what's really important in our lives. As we were looking at this passage, a story uh, leapt out to me. Because uh, we're talking about praying, we're talking about believing, we're talking about fervent prayer. And, and there's a story that uh, I was reminded of. It's from the life of Jesus, and it's in Mark chapter 9. If you want to read the whole story, you can. Uh, Jesus and some of his disciples were up on the side of this mountain. And they had had this incredible spiritual experience. God had done the miraculous and they come down the side of this mountain and they walk into this, um, this moment where the, the disciples, the rest of his disciples are, um, are kind of at a loss. They have this man with them. This man has a son who's demon possessed uh, and, and he brought his son to the disciples and said, hey, can you pray for them? And they did, they prayed for him and nothing happened. And so they're frustrated and he's frustrated and, and Jesus wades into this situation and Jesus asks what's going on. They describe it, they tell him what's going on and then Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith. And then he says, bring the boy to me. And the boy comes to Jesus and he asks the father, he says, how long has the boy been suffering? And the father responds and says, since childhood. So from the time he was very little. And then he goes on to say in verse 22 of Mark chapter nine, and it is often cast him into the fire and, and into water to destroy him. So this spirit is trying to destroy this little boy. And then this father says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But Jesus said to him, if you can, and he quotes the father. And then he goes on to say, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe Help my unbelief. I love this, this vulnerable statement this man made because he didn't put on a show and said, I know you can do it because you're the son of God. I believe it. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think a lot of us can relate to this father. Uh, this is a father and I'm just speculating, but just being a father, I can imagine. If my child was, in a position like that, uh, I would not hold any amount of money back from trying to see my daughter restored. I'd take her to specialists, I'd take her to doctors, I'd fly her all over the world wherever she needed to go. We would see this problem fixed and I can't help but think that this father was the same way. I imagine he probably went to any length he could to find specialists or even so far as to talk to, to, to magicians or spiritualists. He went to any length possible, I can imagine, that he said, I want to see my son made whole. And finally, he comes to Jesus. And Jesus says, all things are possible for he who believes. And, G and this man says to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. See, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier, that there are times when we get to a low point in our life, we get to a, a situation in our life, and we wanna believe, we wanna trust God, and we just have trouble because maybe we believe, but we need some help with our unbelief. And that's where we need 
righteous people around us to, to believe for us, to believe with us, so that their faith can stand in the gap for us and help us move forward. Sometimes we look at prayer as a last resort instead of a first step. And I'm here to tell you today, our God is still in the business of doing miracles. Our God is still in the business of saving marriages. Our God is still in the business of miraculous physical healings. Our God is still in that business. He can still do it. He hasn't, he hasn't stopped doing that at some point. He's able. There's so many people in our world, and I think there are people in this room that you're dealing with a situation and you go, well, we'll see how it works out. I mean, I believe, but I don't know. Last night I had the opportunity to pray with um, a parent who had been estranged from their children. And this parent was, they were on the brink of giving up because they hadn't been able to see their child in quite some, or their children in quite some time. And I believe that a breakthrough for them is coming. I don't believe that 20 years from now. I believe there was a breakthrough last night as we prayed. I believe God is beginning to do the work and beginning to break through and beginning to see something happen. There's some of you here today that you don't have a job and you've been praying, God, I need, I need some work, I need some help. And you've been praying and waiting and waiting and I truly believe today's the day of breakthrough. Some of you are here today and your marriage is on the rocks. It's struggling. And I believe today's the day of breakthrough. Sometimes what we need to do though is swallow our pride a little bit and say, okay, it's not just about me believing for myself, but I need somebody to believe with me for this situation. That this situation can be healed and can be restored, but I need somebody who can believe with me and for me. And that's what we're gonna do in just a little bit. Uh, as we worship together in just a moment, our prayer team and then our pastors are gonna be available and we're gonna be on either side of the stage and we're here to pray with you. Last night, we had a lot of people come forward for prayer. And I'm believing today, no matter what your need is, no matter how big or how small you might think it is, today's a day of breakthrough for you. We're believing that the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous man is gonna avail much when we surround and we pray and we believe that you're not in this alone, that you're walking through this with people who are on your side and believe for you and believe with you that you're not alone you can make it through this and that God is gonna answer your prayer in ways that you can't even begin to imagine yet. So I want you to begin to prepare right now to take a bold step and step out from your seat and find somebody to pray with. We're gonna have a whole bunch of people on either side of the stage ready to pray with you. But before we do that, I wanna give you an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. <laughs> if you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what? The person you're talking about was me. Um, I need a breakthrough, I feel like I'm struggling and I, I need God to do something. But the truth is, I'm not even really walking with Jesus. I haven't made him Lord of my life. I don't have a relationship with God, but I want to. And I wanna start that today, I wanna start that right now. If that's you, I just wanna ask you to be bold enough to raise your hand real high. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you where you are. So if you're here today and you say, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life, I'm ready to begin the journey of faith with him. I, I wanna. I wanna see him work in my life, but I know it begins with trusting him with my salvation. If that's you, would you be bold enough to just slip your hand up real high where I can pray with you and believe you, with you? Thank you. Yeah, two people over here on my right. Thank you so much. Who else? Is that to me? Pray for me. Thank you on my far left in the back. I see you. Praise God. Thank you on my extreme left over here. Thank you, man. You can put your hand down. Praise the Lord. 
Who else would join these and say, pray for me. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life today. I wanna be right with God. Thank you, sir, over here on my right. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. Say, I wanna join these. I wanna pray and make Jesus Lord of my life today. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just repeat this really simple prayer after me. Say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for saving me and paying the price for my sins on the cross. I accept you as Lord and I confess that I'm a sinner in need of you. So take my life and use it for your glory. I'm never going back to my old ways or my old life. Today, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate with them today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, there's a prayer card in the seat back in front of you. Uh, it looks like this. Uh, if you pray that prayer today, I would love for you to fill this card out for us. Let us know about the decision you made so we can help you on your faith journey. We wanna help you take the next step. So you fill this card out and just simply drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. Um, also, we've got signups available for our um, starting point group that meets on Wednesday nights uh, for new believers or people who are coming back to their faith. We also have uh, baptisms coming up. Uh, we'd love for you to get signed up for baptisms. That's just an outward sign of what God is doing in our hearts. And we wanna celebrate with you in that. So. Get signed up for that. You can do that at the Info Center or via our website at summitpa.church. Now, this is what's gonna happen right now. The worship team is gonna lead us uh, in uh, worship at this time. They're, we're gonna go through and worship together. Um, everything we didn't do at the beginning, we're doing now. We're gonna have an extended time where we can just pray together. And as we worship together, our prayer team and our pastors are gonna be available on either side of the stage to agree with you in prayer. And I wanna encourage you today, I wanna challenge you today. If you're here and you're walking through a situation, you're walking through a valley, you're dealing with difficulty today, and you know that you, you can't do it on your own, and you need someone to come alongside you and agree with you and pray with you, um, step out from your chair. Whenever the worship begins and they begin to sing, don't hesitate. Come find one of our prayer team members and let us pray with you. We're gonna be available throughout the rest of this worship experience, but then also at the conclusion, some of our prayer team members will stick around and be available. So don't leave here. If you've walked in with a need, no matter how big or small, don't leave here without us praying with you. Because I'm telling you today, today is a day of breakthrough for some of you. Some of you walked in this place and you're discouraged and you're beaten down, but today is a day that God is gonna give you the breakthrough that you've been waiting for and hoping for. This is your day. So don't hesitate, step out from your seat and come find one of us. Let us pray with you. Stand your feet all over the room. We're gonna worship together and pray together and just believe together. And then we'll be dismissed in just a little bit. Pastor Todd will dismiss us. But guys, I want you to know I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. Let's worship and let's pray together. God bless you.